Hey guys, welcome to the first ever recording of the Let's Talk Broncos podcast. I just want to open the intro show with uh, maybe tell you a little bit about myself, uh, how to follow us on social media, how to listen to the show after it's been recorded on Thursday evenings, and uh, go over a little preview of what you'll see shortly in the uh, upcoming episodes of the uh, Let's Talk Broncos podcast. So my name is Josh McAway. I just want to let you know I'm a uh, diehard Denver Broncos fan. I live in Port Charlotte, Florida, so if you're listening to this podcast from Denver, you'll be like, what does this guy in southwest Florida know about the Broncos? But I like to think that I'm uh, very knowledgeable, and I hope <clears throat> to provide some information and uh, hopefully objective opinions. I can be biased every now and then. So, But if you uh, want to look for us to follow us on uh, social media, you can find us on Facebook at Let's Talk Broncos. Uh, you could also uh, follow us on Twitter at Talk Broncos Josh and on Instagram at Let's Talk Broncos PC. And you can um, listen to the show after it's been recorded on Thursday evenings uh, to SoundCloud and iTunes if you search for Let's Talk Broncos podcast. So now that I've told you a little bit about myself and uh, how to follow the show and listen to the show each week, I just thought we'd get right into. Uh, some of what's going on and what should be an exciting offseason, I believe, for a Broncos fan. Uh, anytime you have a season like five and eleven, you know it's a rough year. You you don't you don't know what to expect, but uh, I would say that's for most teams. But as a Broncos fan, you kind of know what to expect. You know Seven's going to do whatever he has to do because he's seven, and he's Elway, and he does whatever he has to do. He t- usually gets his way. So you know it's been. A disappointing season, including the worst uh, losing streak in team history. They weren't competitive. I mean, they lost by double digits in seven games. So you, they they start off hot. They go, they start off three and one, especially that they the game where they just blow out the Cowboys. I even started believing in Trevor Simeon. My fault. So um, they they need to become more competitive. I mean, they start three and one. Great start. You know, doing everything they got to do on all three phases of the game. And they just fall apart. They fall apart. And um, we'll go over some of the things that they need to improve come off season. I mean, quarterback play is way worse than expected. Like I said, even after that Cowboys game, I started believing in Trevor Simeon. Uh, when they brought Brock back, I didn't know what to exactly to expect. I kind of thought they had plans to start him because they weren't really sold on Simeon. But... I guess that wasn't the case. I almost wish they'd have went right with Brock from the start, given his experience. I mean, he is very pivotal. I mean, we don't win Super Bowl 50 without Brock. We don't get there. So that was surprising. And then Paxton Lynch. I mean, I get into uh, some social media battles with uh, Paxton Lynch fanboys, whether they be Broncos fans or just Memphis fans. And, you know, he's a first-round bust. I, uh, none of us need to see any more. I don't think he needed to play in Week 17. I'd have just played Brock. In my opinion, you know, a meaningless game. I think Brock gives you a better chance to win. And Vance Joseph actually kind of needed that win, or we thought so, because there were the rumors that it was, you know, close to a 99% chance that he was going to be fired following the Kansas City game. So Brock would have given them the best opportunity, and I believe they do win that game if Brock's playing. So, you know, I like the idea of promoting Bill Musgrave to full-time offensive coordinator. I thought they should have fired Mike McCoy much, much earlier. And we'll talk a little bit later about how I feel like Vance Joseph wasn't empowered to do so. Um, 
So even though he comes out when he makes the firing and says that he makes the firing and goes and tells John about it, and uh, we all know how Elway operates. That's not how things go. So very uh, interesting uh, comment there. I honestly think they should just clean house at quarterback. I mean, outside of Paxton Lynch, it costs them more to cut Paxton Lynch at this point than it would cost them to just keep him on the roster and just not dress him every week at this point. So, you know, offensive line play got worse somehow. I don't know how. I mean, it's gotten progressively worse, and I didn't think it could get any worse than last year. So, you know, they fired Jeff Davidson. Um, They uh, ended up bringing in Sean Coogler. We'll talk a little bit about him uh, later. I mean, right now, they need a right tackle bad. And, you know, maybe they possibly draft a left tackle and move Bowles over to right tackle. I, you know, Bowles, he's, he's, he's big, he's strong, he's very athletic for a left tackle, but he's still kind of raw, you know. I know he's a 25-year-old rookie, but he's still, he's still kind of raw. And he, you know, a lot of holding penalties, lots of holding penalties. And that's really unacceptable, especially from your left tackle, who they take him in the first round, they're expecting him to be a franchise left tackle. I think maybe they possibly draft one of these left tackles, you know, these tackles in the upcoming draft. It's, it's going to be a deep offensive line draft. And uh, move Bowles over to right tackle. I don't know. Maybe it's an option. Uh, special teams. That's been some of the worst special teams plays play, play I ever seen. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of you would agree with that. So they fire Brock Olivo, which I think probably should have been done during the season, especially now at this point you're thinking if this was even a consideration that they, they go ahead and do it now, they should have done it in the middle of the season. I mean, you know, why, Isaiah McKenzie, why, is, why wasn't he cut? Let alone, why is he even on the roster? I mean, guys like veteran guys who are more proven don't get as many opportunities as Isaiah McKenzie was given. So that's a little frustrating. Um, and it, like I said, it's rare to see a rookie get that many chances and make that many mistakes. And they still continue to put them out there time after time. So the running game, very inconsistent. They go ahead and fire Eric Stoosville, who's been there for a long time. I mean, he was there when Tebow was there. He, he's, he's been there long before the Vance Joseph regime. So I'm sure it wasn't much of a heartbreaker for Vance to have to go in there and, and, uh, and make that decision with Elway. You know, as far as the running game being inconsistent, there was a bright side. C.J. Anderson ran for over 1,000 yards. He played in all 16 games, something that he hasn't done before. It's very promising here in the contract so far. We'll talk a little bit about that later on. Wide receiver underachievement. That's way high on my list of things that need to be improved this offseason. They fired Tyke Tolbert, who just like Stoogesville, he was there even before this regime came in. You know, it's like DT. I'm still a huge DT fan. A lot of Broncos fans underappreciate him like they they take him for granted he's is he a wide receiver one anymore no no we'll say no he's not so he they need to and we'll talk a little bit about this later when we're talking about the restructures ideas that i think the broncos should be thinking about dt can't be paid like a wide receiver one anymore they need to do some kind of restructuring they can't cut him it's a huge huge cap penalty of dead money i think it's 15 million about so, no, he's not a number one wide receiver anymore, and they need to figure out a way to fix this uh, situation. And one of the options is should they explore trade possibilities for Emmanuel Sanders? I love Emmanuel Sanders. He's, I mean, most Broncos fans, if not, I think all Broncos fans love Emmanuel Sanders. They can't pay two wide receivers wide receiver one money. They just can't do it, and they're not getting out of the Demarius Thomas contract. 
So, yeah, I, I think uh, exploring trade-out possibilities for Emmanuel Sanders could be very beneficial for this team, especially when I think that they should and they will re-sign Cody Latimer and bring him back. He definitely showed that, you know, you kind of got to take him for what he is now. Yeah, he was drafted in the second round. Has he produced like you expected a second-round wide receiver to produce? No, he hasn't at all. So if you just take him from now that he's just a solid guy, especially in special teams, he's going to play a little wide receiver three. He can even jump in and play wide receiver two at some point, and he's still young. So And you're going to have a healthy Carlos, Carlos Anderson in the mix next season. I mean, that's huge. He missed this whole entire rookie season with an injury. So, And we'll talk about another uh, rookie that missed an entire season up here when we're talking about tight ends, another underwhelming position. You know, they, they retained Jeep Chris, which was kind of surprising to me that, you know, there was a, you know, a main, a common denominator between all the firings that they were making of assistant coaches. And it was just underachieving, underwhelming positions. The tight ends was another one, but they retained Jeep Chris. Interesting, but we'll see how it goes because I think in 2018, you may be able to expect a good amount of production from a healthy Jake Butt. I mean, this is a guy that would have been a first-round pick uh, without his knee injury towards the end of his college career. So, And then we'll talk about the defense being the lone spot in an otherwise dumpster fire of a season. I mean, they retained Joe Woods. I know there's plenty of people that have already said this before, and I totally agree with them. I believe it was this game was a little fast for Joe Woods in his first season as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, he's not Wade Phillips, and you know, I, but I think he's promising. I, I like that they're retaining him, and I— like just like retaining Vance Joseph, I I liked it, and that's and that's the biggest story of the offseason so far for the Broncos. Vance Joseph being retained, he's being given at least one more season to prove his worth as an NFL head coach. Did he deserve it? Uh, I think he did. I really do. I don't think he was put in the uh, best, the absolute best position to succeed. Um, you know, he wasn't really empowered by John Elway. You know. You know, more than half of the signings, I believe, were Elway and not Vance bringing in his own guys. So, I do. I, I believe that he has been humbled, and I believe that he can turn things around, and I believe that he will turn things around because that's seven. I always trust in seven. John Elway, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and he's turned himself into one of the greatest executives ever. And a lot of people will say, well, what has he done without Peyton? What has he done without Peyton? Well, you don't think that John was one of, if not the biggest reason Peyton even signed in Denver? Because if you don't believe that, I think you're kind of kidding yourself because I think he is the reason that Peyton came to Denver. And got another Super Bowl. There has not been a Super Bowl in Broncos history without John Elway involved. And then we'll look forward to the uh, the how the Broncos uh, coaching staff will will uh, shape up going forward. You know they got the new hires. Uh, I mentioned his name earlier, Sean Coolier, offensive line coach. He spent the last five years as the head coach at UTEP. Before that, he was a Steelers offensive line coach for three years. Bills offensive line coach for two years. Lions offensive lines and a little bit of tight ends coach. Uh, from 2004-2005, so he has prior NFL coaching experience, which is is good because you need as much help as you can for a young head coach, inexperienced head coach like Vance Joseph. So they bring in Mike Sullivan to be the quarterback's coach to replace Bill Musgrave, who was promoted to offensive coordinator full-time. Hey, he's, he was the Giants' offensive coordinator for the last two seasons under Ben McAdoo. I mean, say what you want. 
few years ago, that Giants offense with McAdoo was the offensive coordinator, I believe, put up 420 points. You know, so he he can he can coach, and if you're pulling this guy off of his tree, and I like it. So he was the quarterbacks coach uh, the year prior before Ben McAdoo was the uh, head coach, and he spent some time as the as the Bucks offensive coordinator, and even before that, he spent eight years with the Giants as a wide receivers and uh, quarterbacks coach. So another coach with prior NFL coaching experience that I think brings a lot to the table, and it, it makes things exciting. Change is exciting. You don't want to go five and eleven. But it kind of opens up for a great offseason, exciting offseason. There's going to be nothing. You know You know the NFL covers the calendar 365 anyway, but to have some added uh, topics to, you know, to make things more exciting is, is fun. Offseason is kind of fun. You know, we obviously, I'd love Denver to still be in the playoffs right now. We all would. But, you know, this is, this is what we've got now at this point. So the uh, Broncos staff will be coaching the North team in the Senior Bowl. The Texans will be coaching the South team. Um so, from what I'm hearing, Baker Mayfield actually will play for the North team, which is kind of exciting from the standpoint that the Broncos will get their hands, you know, get a hands-on look at a guy that they personally like. I mean, he's not worth a top-five pick where they're picking right now. I mean, any OU fanboy would like to convince you he is, but I don't think he is. And I've made the comparisons of Baker Mayfield with uh, Johnny Manziel in the past, but... I kind of make that strictly from a physical standpoint because I'm just not sure how much his game and skill set translate to the NFL. But I believe that unlike Johnny Mangel, who draws somewhat lazy comparisons, which I've been guilty of making that comparison, and I've kind of turned around slightly on that, but I do believe that uh, Mayfield actually loves the game of football more than his own personal brand because we know that's all johnny manziel wanted it was you know making money just wanted he wanted to be johnny manziel the 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 celebrity not the football player not the quarterback so outside of baker mayfield how much does this help their draft approach i think it helps it a lot because it isn't just for mayfield they're gonna have plenty of other holes to fill on this roster and they're gonna get their hands on the entire north team in the senior bowl to get to look at all of those players and they also in the Senior Bowl, the North and the South teams, the coaching staffs, they te- they share film, they share notes, they know they know what's going on with the other team because they're all helping each other out, evaluating for the upcoming draft. So, you know, earlier I said retaining uh, Vance Joseph was probably the most exciting and biggest story so far, but this next one could overtake that, and it could happen. Very shortly after the playoffs end, and uh, very shortly after the new NFL year starts, so and that's Kirk Cousins. As a Broncos fan, I'll tell you later on why I say yes, absolutely one hundred percent yes. Do the Redskins want to franchise tag him? As far as I've heard and seen, they don't want to because that's going to cost them thirty-four and a half million dollars to franchise him for another year. And on top of that, I don't expect a long-term deal to get done because he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there. They have screwed this up royally after the first, after the uh, you know these few years. They should have signed him long-term a long time ago. You know, they've they've put themselves in this situation. They've made their bed like this. They've got to sleep in it. I don't think he wants to be there, and I don't think they're willing to franchise him unless they know they're going to get that deal. And I believe a, 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 a franchise tag, including that much money, is going to have a two, two first-rounders. That's probably going to be the tender on that. So there's going to be teams that are going to do it. 
and I'll even say I think one of those teams should be the Broncos. I really do. So I no longer expect the 49ers to be in the running for him because, I mean, Jimmy G is the future in San Fran. That dude's come in. He's won five consecutive games. He's 7-0. He was 2-0 with the Patriots. The guy doesn't lose. I mean, I heard uh, from Mark Schlereth, he sat down when he was doing a uh, Niners game this year, and he sat down and he talked to him, and, and, and Garoppolo told him, he's like, hey, one of the main things that Brady taught me was that being an NFL quarterback is not a job. It's not just a job. It's not just a career. It's a lifestyle. And I, and you see that on the field. The, the dude's got confidence, and he's, you know, took a bad roster and 5-0 uh, and with him. I mean, John Lynch has already said they want Jimmy in San Francisco for a long, long time. So I think that opens the door big time between him not wanting to be in Washington anymore and San Fran no longer going to be in the mix. I think Denver I think Denver goes all in, and, and there's already been reports saying that they're ready to make a huge offer for Cousins. I mean, whether whether it's through free agency or if they have to trade for him, I mean, um, uh, I'm not exactly sure how the uh, prior to the franchise tag, if he's still under contract, I mean, I'm assuming an, uh, another trade would be able to work in be worked in outside of the franchise tag for the 34 and a half million and then trading him for two first rounders. And if, and if they don't get anything done at all and they choose not to franchise him and they let him walk for nothing, which I just don't think that's possible. I don't see the Redskins doing that is that I know Denver's going to be willing to offer the, offer the money. He's going to cost, I mean, you're looking at 30 million plus a year and they're going to find a way with you know contract restructures and moving some players around, they're gonna find a way to get it done if he's available. I just I know they do. I know they're already paying Von Miller quarterback money, but trust me, if he's available, they're gonna get him. They're gonna uh, Elway Seven's gonna step up to the plate in clutch in the two minutes, and he's gonna step up and he's gonna make the deal that's gonna get the job done. So, you know, not everyone's a fan of Kirk Cousins. I know he's not Rodgers. I know he's not Brady. I know he's not Breeze. I know he's not even Roethlisberger. He's not any of those guys. But I do believe that he's in that next level. You know, I, I believe any team who's going to get him, let's hope the Broncos. He's got a minimum, you know, what, five to seven solid years of being an NFL, a solid NFL starting quarterback. That's, that's minimum, you know. He's got three consecutive 4,000-yard seasons with – a roster that's been depleting, especially losing his best receivers after this year. You know, he's lost guys like Deshaun Jackson. He's lost guys like Pierre Garçon. He's, he's, I mean, Terrell Pryor, that's his main guy. Jordan Reed can't stay healthy. So, give, I mean, the guy's putting up these numbers with bad rosters. He's got a 2-1 to touchdown-interception ratio. You don't think there's, you know, half the league that'll take that, especially the Broncos fans after what we've been through at the quarterback position this year? I mean, come on now. You got to spend the top dollar. It's quarterback hungry league. I, everyone needs a quarterback, you know, it's, you know, and, and he is like the definition of a legitimate NFL starting quarterback. He's, he's, you know, he's Matt Ryan. He's what Carson Wentz has become. He's what I'm still not sold, but I think Jared Goff can become, you know, that second tier guy, what Eli Manning was, you know, a few years ago. I really think that he is that. He has all the physical skills. He has all the intangibles. I mean, the guy is fiery. He's got this confidence. He can lead a team. And he's getting, I okay, what what they go, seven and nine? Okay, I understand, seven and nine. Think about that. They, they took all of his weapons away, and then they were just hammered by injury all season, especially in the offensive line. 
So you can't expect your best receiver to be Terrell Pryor and 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 be able to you know go out and win 10, 11 games. I mean, he can't. He's. I told you, he's not Brady. He's not Brees. Not Rogers. He's not taking nothing and making it something. You know, he can take a good team and make them great. He's not taking average and making them great. It's not. You know, I'll, I'll admit to that. But I'd go all in. I go all in. I, I hope to be screaming. You like that? I hope to. I hope to be screaming that. And as they get it done, I, I really hope to. And you know, you'll know, you'll see. It. Anybody who knows me, I'll be raving about it. So, just quickly, some other off-season improvement possibilities. You know, contract restructures. Um, DT. I really think they'll approach him. They're not going to approach him for a pay cut. He's meant too much to this organization. There's a lot of Broncos fans that hate on DT. The drops. You know, whatever. You know, he's been banged up. He's given everything. He's a physical receiver. He's 30 years old now. I think they at least approach him, restructure him, try to open up some cap space. Like like I said earlier, they're still paying Bond crazy money, and they're not going to ask him one year after to restructure, after he's one of the best, once again, one of the best pass rushers in the league. So here's another one that's going to be tough. C.J. Anderson. You go to C.J. Anderson right now and be like, hey, I know we just signed you that long-term deal. You get a big money. What's the number? Somewhere around 4 or $5 million. We'd like you to restructure. So what's he going to say? He's going to say, hey, I know we only won five games and we had one of the most embarrassing offenses in the NFL, but, dude, I ran for 1,000 yards. I ran for 1,000 yards. This putrid offense who couldn't do anything, I put 1,000 yards on the ground, even behind an, uh, a, a bad offensive line, which is, is very impressive. And I played all 16 games for the first time in my career. Now you're going to come to me after you paid me all this money and try to restructure? I don't think so. So that one's going to be tough. So Aqib Tlaib's a big story. Do they cut him? You know, do they, do they cut him? I think uh, it's a very low dead money. I think it's only around a million, maybe two million if they cut him of dead money, which they'll still be in closer to the middle of the road as far as dead money goes in the NFL. I mean, or do they trade him? I've heard Cowboys may have interest. That's interesting. I mean, he's he's from Texas. I mean, that that's an option. So if they can make a deal like that and not lose him for nothing, same as, you know, a Kirk Cousins um, or Emmanuel Sanders, uh, is, is you'd want to get something for a player. You don't want to just see him walk. So, and, and, and I think they have to do something with Tlaib because if he's, if he's not willing to restructure, they got, they have to get rid of him. They, I mean, he's going to have to, I think he's going to have to take a pay cut, not even just restructure. He's going to have to take a pay cut because Roby's fifth year option kicks in next year. It's at like $8 million. So you can't be paying three corners, although the best trio in the league, in my opinion, and a lot of a lot of people agree with that, is you can't pay all three of them. And Roby's time has come. You know, he's he's learned behind these guys. Sleeve's getting old. He's lost a little bit of a step this year, but he went to the Pro Bowl again. So that's what's so st- tough about it. So his his trade value is up. So I think that may ultimately be their best uh, option. So another guy, you know, most of these guys are defensive guys. I mean, they just signed Darian Stewart, so they can't really do much when it comes to him. He had a rough season. Maybe they go asking him to restructure. I don't think so. But a guy like a Brandon Marshall, they probably approach him because he's, you know, I think he wants to be a Bronco, you know, he, he'll probably be more willing to restructure, even though he had another good season. So it's going to be interesting. Those are like my, the main ideas I'm thinking about of uh, contract restructures that they should at least look into. So, and another thing is in the draft. I mean, do they go offensive lineman at number five? You know, I think they're going to draft a quarterback, even if they bring in a Kirk Cousins or if they have to go ahead and go with a bridge quarterback. Um, 
So I don't think you touch a quarterback at number five, especially not Baker Mayfield. I know they really like Baker Mayfield. I know they went and saw Josh Allen. I know they like Josh Allen. I don't think the Josh Allen to Carson Wentz comparisons are that viable. I think I think getting a Josh Allen is going to be more towards leaning towards another project like a Paxton Lynch, and it could be a failed pick. So definitely wouldn't take either of those at number five. The only the only quarterback I think I would take at number five, I know a lot of people love Sam Darnold, but Josh Rosen is probably the only one I would take in the top five. We know he's not going to be available. So I think maybe they go with a, you know, just one example, a Quentin Nelson, you know, the 6'5", 330-pound guard from Notre Dame. They need a big guy like that. Max Garcia, no. I mean, he he's, he's, he's failed. He's been a serviceable, what should have been a backup guard, but, you know, he's been forced into action to start because of, you know, poor development and poor, you know, incoming free agency. I mean, he's, he's had to start. So offensive line's been a big issue, and it has been for, you know, what, half a decade now? So I think he'd be he'd be a big dude. You maybe you put him at right guard, put Leary back at his natural left guard spot that he had to move because Max Garcia, you know, couldn't play right guard. So let's let's move a young struggling uh, guy who's struggling at at left guard. You know, let's let's keep him there because he's not comfortable at right guard. And let's take our Pro Bowl, you know, All Pro left guard Ronald Leary and move him to right guard. Makes sense. No, doesn't at all. So next would be. Exploring trade options for Emmanuel Sanders. You can't, like I said earlier, you can't afford to continue paying two guys wide receiver one money and you're not getting rid of DT, huge dead cap number. I think you re-side Cody Latimer and you're getting to Carlos Henderson back healthy. So I think that all signs point to doing whatever you can to get Emmanuel Sanders out of here. Not for any personal reason. I love Emmanuel Sanders. I love his game, but they can't afford to pay these guys and bring in a guy like a Kirk Cousins who... Like I said, reports are they're willing to make a huge offer. You got to make room, cap wise. So you got to try to trade Emmanuel Sanders. He's another guy I think uh, that they could be in contact with the Cowboys about. Do you go a bridge quarterback in the case of getting no Cousins? And I think in a way you do because the free agent, well, the free agent that you do sign may not necessarily be a, a bridge quarterback per se, but you have to sign a free agent quarterback. You can't just draft one. You need to do both. I think draft a quarterback or sign a free agent quarterback and draft a quarterback. I mean, maybe a guy like Case Keenum is available, whichever one of those Vikings quarterbacks can be available. Maybe you bring in Teddy Bridgewater, give him a physical. You know, you never know. So it's going to be interesting. Because in my personal opinion, as you've heard me say over and over now, I think they need to go all in at Cousins. And no, at that point, you don't draft a quarterback at five if you're all in on Cousins. If you're signing a lower-tier free agent, you know, veteran guy to kind of play in front of whichever rookie you take at number five. If you go that route, then absolutely quarterback at number five. I wouldn't go Baker Mayfield. But here's the problem. Is Sam Darnold going to be there? Maybe you take a flyer on Sam Darnold. I actually would honestly take Josh Allen at five before I would take Baker Mayfield at five, but I would not even touch either of them in the top half of the first round. To be honest, I think Baker Mayfield's more like a second round pick, but I think the hype is going to push him into the first round. And who knows? Maybe he develops. Maybe if he gets a chance to sit, maybe Denver does take him at five. Maybe they sign Cousins and take Baker Mayfield. That's a good. That's I'll, I'll if Baker Mayfield can't develop behind Cousins, sitting behind him for a handful of years. You know, I mean, obviously Cousins isn't Favre. It's not like a Rodgers behind Favre situation by any means, but it's still the de- sitting behind a legitimate NFL starting quarterback to try to develop. Maybe they go that route. That would be interesting. So, you know, I wanted to keep uh, the intro show um, 
somewhat short and sweet and just give you kind of just a rundown of what you can expect to hear from me uh, over the next few episodes and on into the offseason. I, I just want to include a fun little note of the week, and that's that the Broncos have made the list of finalists for HBO's Hard Knocks. And obviously when I say finalists, it just means it's a list of teams that the NFL can force into doing the show because all teams have said that they have no interest in doing it. They don't want the distraction. They don't want the cameras all over the place. They don't want the access to the buildings and the meeting rooms and, and just the lives of the players. So none of them really want it. I personally would love to see the Broncos on there just as a fan. I, I would hope it wouldn't mess with their season. Um, you know, Browns, Chargers, 49ers, Ravens, Redskins, they were all the ones to make the lists. And, um, I, if I had to pick a favorite right now, I'd probably say that the Niners get it because they have Jimmy G. I mean, the dude is, he's handsome. He's got the Hollywood looks. He's got the Hollywood play so far. He's playing in San Francisco, California. They love him there already. He hasn't lost yet. They're going in a five-game winning streak, 5-0 and with him going into the next season. There's some excitement there. There's more excitement than any other teams, the Browns, the Chargers, the Ravens, the Redskins, or even the Broncos at this point. Although, Denver does have a compelling case if they bring in Cousins. I mean, that's a storyline. I mean, Elway gets it done. Elway gets his guy. Let's see what the Broncos do in 2018. It's exciting. And like I said, I've been wanting them to do this for years. So I've kind of got my fingers crossed that they appear on the show. But also, I hope it does not send them face planting into another NFL season 2018 because... Like me, I'm sure all of you Broncos fans have no interest in watching that embarrassment we saw on the field this year. <clears throat> so just to kind of wrap it up um, for Wild Card Weekend, you know, I know it's a Broncos show, but you can expect me to present some opinions about the NFL as a whole and to throw in some, you know, game predictions from time to time. So I just want to do a little quick rundown of what I think is going to happen this weekend in the Wild Card playoffs. So I'm going to take the Chiefs over the Titans in Kansas City. I think the Chiefs have figured out an offense after a midseason skid. So I know they've got a lot of weapons. And I think the Titans are going to be overwhelmed by those weapons. You know, it's the playoffs. Don't expect any blowouts. I just expect that the Chiefs' experience over the last few years, although not winning many, what, maybe the what one uh, playoff game. Um, I had to throw that jab in there. Screw the Chiefs. Um, I just think the Titans players are going to be overwhelmed by their playmakers. So we'll see how it goes, though. So Chiefs over Titans. Falcons over Rams in L.A. Falcons have been here and done that. You know, everyone will say 28-3, they blew the lead. Yeah, bad on them. That's embarrassing. Um, almost as embarrassing as uh, how the Broncos lose in the Super Bowl. Um, but, I mean, they've, they've done this. They've fought through this. They, they made it all the way to the Super Bowl last year, and they fought hard, and they were up big on the, on the, on the Patriots. And I'm just not sold on golf and the Rams' college-style college offense. That kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with my opinion of Baker Mayfield and how does his, his skill set and his, his talents translate to the NFL because, yeah, you're seeing more and more shotgun in the NFL these days, but it's still not that college-spread RPO, you know, run-pass option. you got really one read. Um, style offense. So, and I say that even regardless of Todd Gurley, I know the dude has been, he was gone off this year. I mean, he's MVP candidate. I'd like to see a running back get it. Um, I've had this argument with a buddy of mine, Scott, that you'll hear on the Southwest Florida sports report weekly with uh, my buddy, Scott Canelmo and Justin Raffone, but him, even as a, a Steelers fan says that, uh, Todd Gurley is the best running back in the NFL. Nah, Le- Le'Veon Bell is the best running back in the NFL. So, and Gurley, like I said, he may ultimately win the MVP, and it kind of would be exciting to see a running back, as I said, because you know it's it's kind of like quarterback fatigue. Everybody loves quarterback, but I'm I'm tired of seeing Brady win the MVP, and he's gonna do it again. You know, we we all hate the Patriots, we know that. 
you know, and um, here's probably, I don't, I'm not sure there's anybody that's, uh, at least, not, especially not locally near me, that's really going to think this happened, but I'm taking the Bills over the Jags in Jacksonville. Um, you know, the Bills have an underrated defense. I think, you know, they'll get to Bortles and they'll slow down Jacksonville's running game. You know, Fournette's had a great season, but I mean, this is, this is a playoffs. He's never been here before. And the Bills got some veteran, like, you know, fiery, like grinders, you know what I mean? So I really think they slow them down. And I think Tyrod makes just enough plays along with a banged up Shady McCoy. You know, Sean McCoy's carried, carried my uh, fantasy team all, all season. So I, I think the Bills just make just enough plays and play great defense and they get the job done. So, and in the last game, you know, Saints over Panthers in New Orleans. This is a tough game to pick because it's a divisional game. Anytime you play a team for a third for a third game, it doesn't matter what happened in the first two. So, you know, I just think that the Saints running game is going to be too much to handle. I, I mean, Alvin Kamara, um, you know, I just, he was an, a guy that I think the Broncos should have taken. They should have taken him in the draft and they had the opportunity to take him in the draft. And he's a playmaker. He's another, he's kind of like, you know, like a Kamar Hunt, uh, uh, um, a Tyreek Hill in Kansas city. You know, he's, he's getting, he's getting it done. And I don't, I don't trust Cam. I don't trust Cam in the big games. I don't think he's ever been the same. I know he's got still got some good numbers, and the Panthers are back in the playoffs. But I just ever since he got just manhandled and 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 he looked like a baby after losing to my Broncos in Super Bowl Fifty. I had never trusted him again. I don't care how many regular season games the the Panthers win. So you know, I just want to uh, thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast, the first ever, first of hopefully many many Let's Talk Broncos podcasts to come. I just want to let you know that you could follow us again, social media on Facebook. Just search Let's Talk Broncos. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Talk Broncos Josh, uh, Instagram at Let's Talk Broncos PC podcast. And, um, you know, so you could search on SoundCloud and iTunes, Let's Talk Broncos podcast uh, once it's uh, been uploaded, which will be shortly. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the show and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your day or evening whenever you may be listening to this. And uh, I hope you enjoyed some of the uh, opinions of mine that I provided, hopefully of objective. Um, I've got a little bias. You know, I'm a diehard Broncos fan. Everybody who knows me knows I love the Broncos. So um, I hope this is, uh, like I said, I hope I get to talk to you guys uh, a lot. So don't forget to tune in next week to Let's Talk Broncos.